Hello and welcome to the Lancet Hematology Podcast. My name is Nikolai Humphreys. On today's episode, I will be discussing a new paper from Iceland titled The Fixed Prothrombin Timing versus Standard Prothrombin Timing for Monitoring of Warfarin Anticoagulation, a Single-Center Double-Blind Randomized Non-Inferiority Trial. On the line to talk about this paper is one of the study authors, Pal Anderson. Hi, Pal. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, hi, Nikolai. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk. Thanks, Pal. Okay, question number one. Could you tell us a little about the background to your study? All right. It's a study on uh, warfarin, basically uh, trying to uh, identify problems with warfarin uh, related to its instability. As, as uh, many of the readers know, it's been around for 60 years, and uh, it was impossible to treat with warfarin without moni- monitoring its effect. And traditionally, uh, and basically for the 60 years, everybody has used the prothrombin time, the quick prothrombin time, or the ORAN pro- prothrombin time, lately known as the INR, and this has been used to monitor the effect. And there have been relatively few questions asked because we have had uh, a major problem with warfarin all along. Although it's very effective, it reduces thromboembolism by two-thirds in patients with atrial fibrillation, as an example. The problem is that it fluctuates, it varies, and everybody has... uh, I had questions uh, whether this is caused by food interactions or drug interactions or compliance problems in the patients, but only very few people, I mean, you can count them on uh, one hand, have had questions whether actually the prothrombin time might be the problem that's uh, causing, uh, to some degree, the fluctuation uh, of warfarin. So we... um, were obviously aware of the work of other people that have uh, been investigating this, and we did our own studies. So, so, so like there, there are studies showing that uh, the PT INR, that we, re- we usually call INR, that it associates very poorly with thrombin generation. And uh, in our own experiments, we found using, uh, using a Rotem experiment, using dilute thromboplastin, we found that there was a very poor correlation between the INR and thrombin generation. Uh, so we um, decided to look at the contribution of each of the vitamin K-dependent factors on, uh, on uh, clot formation in this, in this Rotem model. We uh, basically found that by reducing one at a time, so not a, not a combined reduction, but the one at a time, we found out that factor 2 and 10, as their activity decreases, they have a major influence on clot formation, whereas the reduction in factor 7 and also factor 9 have relatively little influence. And this is in agreement with uh, studies that others have done with using thrombin generation or inducing uh, DIC in rabbits. So, but basically, since we could not find any difference between 2 and 10, we hypothesized that, that uh, if it's really 2 and 10 that's important for clot formation, we should be measuring only the influence of factor 2 and 10 and not the influence of factor 7. 
which also has a very short half-life and fluctuates rapidly, you know, depending on what you ate last night. So we uh, invented a new test that measures only the influence of factor 2 and 10, and we call it the FIX pro-Trumpin time. So it stands for factor 2 and 10, F-I-I-X. But it also needs to be fixed. And uh, then uh, we did this and we tested in some patients, and we found that uh, the anticoagulation was more stable in patients uh, when we measured it with the fixed PT compared to the to the PT. But uh, but then we had uh, to uh, obviously test it in a in a patient population to see uh, what would happen. So we uh, formulated a, a hypothesis that monitoring warfarin with the fixed protrombin time would lead to more stable anticoagulation and fewer dose adjustments and at least equivalent clinical outcome. So the fixed trial was designed based on, on that hypothesis, and it was a non-inferiority trial, a single-center non-inferiority trial, because that was the best we could do, and, and it's impossible to test the new test against no other tests. You have to test it against the standard testing. Uh, thanks, Paul, for that summary. Could you now briefly outline the aim of your study? Yes. Uh, well, the aim was... Uh, to uh, test uh, in a in a blinded, randomized uh, manner if uh, actually monitoring warfarin with the new test would lead to improved stabilization of the of the warfarin effect, and uh, that would lead to fewer dose adjustments and at least equivalent clinical outcome. And uh, and so so this was a non-inferiority trial. It was. Uh, uh, as I told you, a single-center prospective trial, and uh, it was investigator-initiated. There was no drug company involved, and it was uh, indeed hard to get the grants for this study. And, uh, and basically, it was conducted uh, for two years, in 2012 to 2014, at our institution in Reykjavik in Iceland. So if I tell you more about uh, the design of the trial, patients were randomized uh, to monitoring with either the fixed protrombin time or, the, or fixed INR, which we call an active arm, and then uh, to the PT or the INR, which was the control arm. And all the warfarin management was based on a blinded INR that was, uh, that was uh, reported to the specialized nursing staff that does the dosing using Duan anticoagulation software. And in this manner, we uh, so, so there was nobody that was aware of which test had generated the INR that was reported. Also, importantly, uh, there was a, a separate uh, adjudication committee that was also blinded to the testing method when they decided on uh, on clinical events. So, so the endpoints that we were looking at was efficacy, meaning uh, thromboembolism, and safety, mainly major bleeding. And, uh, and then we had some surrogate efficacy or convenience parameters that we tested also. And what did your study show? Well, basically, uh, the hypothesis was confirmed, namely that, uh, that we found that... Uh, that stability was increased uh, using the new test. Uh, so we would, uh, uh, as an example, we would find that uh, that there were uh, uh, the interval between monitoring tests increased with the new fixed INR, uh, 
the number of dose chances decreased with the new test. Uh, the time within target range was 85% in the active uh, fixed INR arm compared to 80% in the in the uh, PTINR arm, and also we measured the variability or the fluctuation of the INR using the variance growth rate, and the median variance growth rate was reduced in patients with uh, uh, monitored with the new test. Then we uh, obviously the clinical events. Uh, it was a non-inferiority study, and we found that uh, uh, for the efficacy that there was a reduction numerically in the number of uh, fatal and uh, non-fatal thromboembolic events. So the incidence was 1.2% per patient year in uh, the active group, and it was 2.3% in the control INR group. And this was significantly non-inferior. But interestingly, when we looked at how the events developed, there was no difference for the first six months after the patients were randomized. But after six months, the curves separated. In a secondary analysis, which was post hoc, we analyzed what happened beyond the six months of monitoring or randomization. We found that there was a significant and superior reduction in thromboembolism in the fixed INR arm compared to the PTINR arm. So it was 1.1% compared to 2.2%, which is a 50% reduction in thromboembolic events. For bleeding or major bleeding, there was no difference. So we had a rather low bleeding incidence in both arms. It was 2.2% per patient year in the, in the fixed arm, and it was 2.5% in the INR arm. And this was significantly non-inferior for the new test, but it was not superior. And we also uh, looked at some secondary endpoints, namely just combining, uh, you know, the major vascular events. And and then again, we found that there was uh, a 3.5% incidence per patient year in the fixed arm compared to 5% in the PT arm, significantly non-inferior. And this was also superior if we excluded the first six months in the post-hoc uh, secondary analysis. So, so those would be the main findings of the study. Thanks, Paul. What are the implications of your findings? Well, I, I think, uh, in short, I think uh, warfarin may be considerably more stable anticoagulant than people have previously thought, and that a part of the problem with this drug has been that we have been using the wrong tests to monitor the drug for 60 years. I think uh, the study really shows that the variability that we observed during PT monitoring, INR monitoring, is caused by a fluctuation of the very short half-life factor 7 that is of no importance to the clinical effect of the drug, meaning that it, it is not really predictive of, uh, of thromboembolic or bleeding events. So monitoring of factor 7 is not needed. And uh, therefore, using the new test that's only sensitive to the longer half-life factor 2 and 10 together could improve warfarin to a major degree uh, as an anticoagulant drug. So, so I guess I could conclude that, uh, that uh, patients and possibly society and third-party payers could benefit a lot from replacing the INR 
uh, with uh, the fixed INR. Paul Anderson, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me on the Lancet Haematology podcast.